Growing up, Mama always said, you never know how you're going to end up. The life you have in the morning may not be the life you have when you go to bed that night. My name is Dion Lee, and this is The Way I Am Now, the podcast that shares words of wisdom and life lessons through songs and stories. I have two reputations. People who really know me say that I'm friendly, open, kind, and humble. People who don't know me say I'm snobby, cold, unapproachable, and mean. (laughs) Mean! (laughs) Wow! It's perplexing. I hate to admit that I have entertained why people think the latter. And it really doesn't matter because they're wrong. It's really not true. However, I have given it some thought. I think if you meet me and I'm uncomfortable or feeling displaced... I'm not myself. I'm a little less open, a little less approachable, sometimes extremely awkward. (laughs) Well, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. So, what does this have to do with today's storyteller, the amazing Justin Key? Well, it has everything to do with him. I met Justin at a diversity and inclusion event hosted by the Television Academy. I was with my husband, Keith. Now, the combination of Keith's furrowed brow and my awkwardness could put anyone off, but not Justin. He walked right over with a million-dollar smile and said hello, and he spoke with us for a minute, and then he moved on and spoke to other folks. He was amazingly kind and warm to everyone. He just fit in. Not awkward, not cold, just available. I, of course, went home and friended him immediately on Instagram. The skeptic in me needed to look for some dirt. However, I didn't find any. I learned that that's just who he is. He is everything he presents. I learned that he was far more than just an actor. He is an entrepreneur, a creator of new works, an educator, a public speaker, and a believer in God Almighty. That explains it. His faith. Now, Justin hails from Tennessee. He was born into a large family and raised on a farm. He is filled with kindness and is a beautiful spirit. Now, if you believe that the spirit moves through people daily, then you should meet Justin. His story has stayed with me during this pandemic because I want the warmth that he radiates. My entire life, I wanted to be in entertainment. I knew that I wanted to live in California before I even knew how to spell California. We had an old floor model television, which only played a handful of channels, but we would get Saved by the Bell and, you know, we got older than certain shows like 90210. I didn't see any Black people. So I was like, oh, Lisa Turtle needs a friend on Saved by the Bell. So I was like, okay, this is, this is where I can come in. So I would see these glimpses of California and I would just be outside daydreaming just about life in California and life in the world. I always wanted to travel and speak languages. And I don't know where it initially came from. Because I'm on a farm. I'm happy. We don't have cable. You know, dignitaries aren't coming to the town. And going to Memphis was perhaps a once a month thing. And then when we did go to Memphis, it was picking up feed for the animals. So it wasn't something huge. And then, of course, as we got, as I became a teenager, we would go to the skating rink and things like that. Now I'm in Los Angeles. I'm like, I can't believe that this is here, that this is happening. And then it's like, whoa. 
I had to switch the blueprint because though I was able to deal with personalities of the family and at an HBCU, which is just a totally different experience, an amazing experience. Now I'm in California, completely multicultural. My Southern isms aren't being received as they have been in the past. The yes ma'am and the no ma'ams and yes sir. And that would offend some certain people. And I could not fathom how that would offend people because, you know, I don't need you. Like I, would, I remember being told, I don't need you aging me. I felt so terrible because I was trying to figure out how did I offend someone. And also back home, especially in the deep South, a hug is basically the most enduring thing that you can you can give to someone because you you feel their entire essence. And I remember hugging someone for the first time because we don't handshake, you handshake if you kind of don't know them, but I would always go in for the hug because that's how I was raised and it's disrespectful if you don't. And I would feel people tense up in my arms and I was like, okay, so they didn't like that. And I felt I felt like a fish out of water. And I felt that everything that I had learned and experienced I felt that now it was no longer of use. And I felt so lost. I felt so, so lost. And then after just trials and feeling alienated and also my Southern dialect was so thick. And then I realized that people tend to be very vocal about you sound like a dumb hick or how they would attribute a Southern dialect with um, unintelligent. And so I would get that so much. And, and it and I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom or couldn't understand why that was a thing. And so once again, going back to my roots, just reading the Bible more, having more of a conversation with God. I'm like, you got to help a brother out because yes, I'm excelling in this industry at a decent rate, but I don't care about the money. I don't care about recognition. I care about me waking up and having that peace to feel like I'm doing what I was meant to do. And even if I had gotten an award or booked a show, the way that I was treated on that show would completely negate the success that came with it. And so I was like, I don't want this if this is how I'm going to feel. I remember the time I remember having the most money I had ever had in my bank account. And I was depressed like you wouldn't believe it. I remember having a conversation with God and I was like, I don't want this if this is the outcome I don't, I don't want it. I prefer my peace over money, over social media likes and comments, over all of that. And in that moment, oh, God was like, now you, now you realize you shouldn't want everyone else's approval and know that the world's success is nothing compared to the success you have of following me, I'm living out your purpose. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, it, the, the test wasn't as strenuous as Job's. <laughs> I'm so happy that I learned early on in my career of being in entertainment. And I was like, oh, this is, this, this is, this is incredible. So now when I do seek God, the success comes, the opportunities come, the people who I'm supposed to meet come just for me doing what I feel that I was created to do it, I'm just like, oh, this is incredible. Now I feel a little bit like David. I had to backtrack a bit with Justin to ask him what was really happening to him in his dark period. I have never spoken to anyone so devout in their faith, so in tune with their spirit. I have no experience working on massive amounts of land, but I imagine that working on a farm and waking up with the rising sun every morning has a spiritual impact that most of us will 
never experience or understand. It must be visceral. And you just know when something isn't right. So in in the time when I was booking jobs, I was meeting a lot of people. Opportunities were coming. I didn't recognize myself. And it was because all the opportunities that were coming and all the events that I was being invited to, it completely took away from any time that I had from God. I wasn't reading the Bible as much because there was always so much to do. You always have to be on the scene. And my reps were like, you have to be here. You have to be here. And I felt the presence of God nowhere. I wasn't doing crazy stuff. I was working. I did not feel the presence of God anywhere. And that was my breaking point. You know, you just wake up. I remembered shaking, like to have a conversation with God. And I felt my heart sink to my stomach. It was a moment that I wouldn't wish on anyone to have God's presence, not with them. And I had to learn that lesson that if I'm going to accept all the grace, all the accolades, all the work, I can't forget God and my relationship with him that got me to this point. I became too busy for God. The work took precedence over my private time with him, my quiet time with him, my my meditation time. And it was a moment that it completely changed my life. And in that moment, I just started praying and crying and praying and crying. And then I stopped and I just started listening. And I was like, I'm not getting up from this spot until you talk to me. It didn't happen right away. I ended up having to get up because I still had work to do. Like it wasn't the fairy tale that I wanted to happen. Like I was going to cry and then God was going to come back to me. No, I still had work to do. So I still got up. And I remember sometime during that week, because it didn't happen the next day either. Sometime during that week, I still got up in the mornings and I cry and I pray and I felt like God's presence was nowhere near. And then there was a warmth and I was like, (gasps) and I said, I would never do anything in the world to jeopardize that. And so that's what happened for me. And that, that was a turning point. That was a, that was a turning point to always involve God in every single thing, no matter how I, minute I think it is, always, always, always involve him in that. Quarantine has taught me a lot. And I thought that, I, I thought that my little nerdy self knew quite a bit prior, but now that there are limited distractions from, from outside things. It has really taught me, especially when, when even talking about God and feeling that, that God still has me. You know, they always say the best place to be in the world is in the will of God. Um, and so we're now in quarantine because of a global pandemic. We also have countless or continue countless murders by police officers all over the country. And so I honestly want to lament and cry and fight every single day. There's a peace that God has inside of my my heart. And so I continue to wake up every morning, fight the good fight of faith. Dion, it is incredible. I think we all needed this today, to hear the words of someone who talks the talk and walks the walk. His song, I Believe, reinforces everything about him. He is a true believer in all the greatness that lives inside of him. And he uses every 
bit of his God-given talent to live in his purpose. The song is called I Believe, and it is such a beautiful song that teaches you to believe in self and not things and not accomplishments, and that everything that you believe in is really already inside of you. It's just waiting for you to believe in it. And I believe reminds me that everything that I need, God has already placed inside of me. So there is no need for me to search it in people and accolades and successes, but that it's, it's been here this entire time. So when I sit down and really search inside of self and meditate and listen, I believe in myself. I believe in the gifts that I've been given. I believe in the purpose that I've been given, that I was created with and born with. And it just reminds me to stop searching for things that I already have. Some of the words, I believe in the impossible. If I reach deep within my heart, overcome any obstacle, I won't let this dream fall apart. See, I strive to be the very best. Shine my light for all to see, because anything is possible when you believe. Can lift you up and guide you on your way. I can see it in the stars across the sky. Dreamt a hundred thousand dreams before. Now I finally realize. You see, I've waited all my life for this moment to arrive. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Justin, for sharing your story. The Way I Am Now is produced by myself and Matthew Ingst, underscored by Matthew Ingst. I Believe by Louis B. Ancaniello, Tamara Gray, and Sam Waters. Executive producer, Maylee Williams. If you're enjoying The Way I Am Now, the podcast, let people know about it. You can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. Also, if you haven't subscribed already, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you.